This is Raw Cut. Welcome to Life Best. I'm Sarah. And I'm Matt. And today, a story of music and medicine. Stay tuned. Yes, welcome to Life Best. And today we have Paul Mitchell joining us. Thank you for coming in and sharing your story with us today. Thank you very much for having me. It is good to have you with us. Uh, now, as we do with all our guests, Paul, take us right back to the beginning. Where did life start out for you? Well, my parents met. and <laughs> Yes. Yeah. It well, how far back before. are we talking? <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I was born in North Adelaide mm-hmm. um, and very, yeah, spent most of my life really in Adelaide. So um, I grew up in the southern Adelaide Hills. Uh, my dad was a GP, um, and so we, I'm one of f- five brothers. Five brothers. Okay, no yeah. sisters? No sisters. All brothers. Just brothers. That would have been fun for your mum. Well, it, it was uh, actually not so bad because she could always get into the toilet whenever she wanted. <laughs> Boom, that's But <laughs> uh, she, um, we would go through a lot of food, as you can imagine. Mm, so, yeah. yeah, I've got triplet brothers, in fact. Yeah, okay. um, So what's it like having triplet brothers? Well, I don't know how to answer that because I've never had anything (laughs) but triplet brothers. So it's hard to know. I think my awareness of it is that I hear your poor mother a Mm -hmm. lot Mm -hmm. when it's brought up. And I guess it probably was. Uh, We're only three and a half years between all five of us. Okay. So it was probably a busy time and you're not much help to your mum when you're three and a half. And how much younger or older are they than you? Well, I was three and a half, three my and brother half. Mark was two, and then triplets. So, yeah, that was it. So you weren't quite there ready to help out with the... Well, I thought I was helping out, but maybe I wasn't. <laughs> yes. Probably not helping. Um, but, uh, no, it was it was a great upbringing, very happy, very... Um, we had lots of uh, friends over, of course, and it became a bit of a hub. So I do remember when we left home that mum... Donated a lot of the cooking equipment to a campsite okay, because uh, of the size of things. They just weren't usable for anyone else. <laughs> wow. Everything in bulk. Yeah. Never yeah. bothered icing cakes. They would just get eaten <laughs> right. before they were out of the tin. So so you had, uh, you said North Adelaide you were born, but at some point you moved to the hills. Well. Uh, yeah, or just, just south of Adelaide. Yeah, yeah so, okay. Yeah, just at Bellevue Heights. So, um, yeah, very, very picturesque, middle-class kind of upbringing. And with five brothers, did that uh, did a lot of adventures come with that as well as eating? Oh yes, yeah, lots of adventures, lots of uh, bike riding with the kids down the road, and um, uh, we'd find these treasures at the dump. We'd bring back these things we couldn't believe people had thrown away, <laughs> and my mother couldn't believe that we'd brought back more stuff than we were taking to the dump. That was upsetting. <laughs> uh, we'd design and cr- build these crazy bikes. Uh, lots of accidents with them. Um, we got found illegible stuff that we probably should have been playing around with. <laughs> okay, there are some stories right there. <laughs> oh, yeah, lots. Let's lots. go. Come on. Oh, <laughs> okay. well, yeah, all right, okay. Anyone? Well, there was a time my mother's lamp broke and the little button um, had snapped and broken inside. And I looked at it, I thought, I've seen a switch just like that at the dump. How hard could it be? I'd like to tell you I was 12 years old. Okay. So I thought I knew what I was doing. Mm, So I wired in a new switch while she was out shopping and she wasn't very happy about it. 
So she took it to an electrician to check it, and he charged her 50 bucks and said, great job. <laughs> so, so she didn't get much satisfaction out of that. But, but there are times I have blown up. Uh, a little Scalectrix motor with 240 volts. I probably that was a mistake. Mm. I was trying to see how fast it would go. Yeah, it, it didn't end well. Um, but yeah, I'm still here. You're still here. <laughs> That's and right. And your brothers. And my brothers. Yeah. 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 Okay. I'm interested. Is there anything that you brought back from the dump that you remember that was like That's so amazing? Well, actually, uh, my first guitar. Actually. Okay. Funnily enough, and we've got a guitar behind us. We the, do have a guitar. That was a nice segue. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, excellent. Um, but the um, that was a pretty cheap plywood guitar. We thought it was awesome. Uh, yeah. The neck was kind of bent, um, had a half a dozen, like half the strings on it, um, bent tuning pegs, had a hole in it. Uh, we thought it was awesome. And I kind of learnt figuring that out, but it wasn't a very good instrument. Okay, so yeah. had you not picked up that guitar at the dump, you may not have Life could have been just completely it different. It would just be a story of medicine. <laughs> <laughs> no, no oh, music. No, no. I, well, actually, I played viola oh, as okay. a child in an orchestra. So I played. Um, but it's one of those instruments. It's, it's a, I'm not knocking it as an instrument, but okay. it's when you're 15 years old, it's maybe not the coolest instrument <laughs> to impress girls with. It's not something I go, yeah, I played viola. <laughs> So, and we all go, wow, that's so yeah, cool. Yeah, no, so it didn't kind of, yeah, it wasn't, yeah, doing it. it so was I, one of those instruments that found their way back to the dump, was well, it? <laughs> no, I've still, got it, I've still got it. Uh, and I, I got it to grade four, I think, grade five, yeah, something. So, yeah, I did, did some exams and did it all. So I've got that classical background. Mm, My yeah. mother was a singing teacher. Okay. Um, and so I had that sort of from her side of the uh, the family, that, that sort of music appreciation she'd like love you know playing for us and she would always encourage us uh to play and and um so yeah that was that was good so were you like your own little band uh actually we there was a couple of times we did kind of a youth group maybe okay yeah we um like we all a, five of you uh that's what i was meaning like yeah all, not i uh, maybe no? not all five of us at the same time we had some ring-ins we didn't okay. have like the full ensemble okay but um there was a band we called bad taste i think we were wearing just terrible clothes but we mostly picked it out of my dad's wardrobe he wasn't very happy about that <laughs> but yeah so yeah from little things maybe stuff yeah that's how it develops. Yeah, okay. So you had, uh, well, music was a part of that story, but your earlier years uh, going through school, how did you find um, school? Was that a, a pleasant experience or <laughs> uh, something that you excelled Besides at? the viola part. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I went to Blackwood Primary that uh, I was a bit of a, um, well, I think this is a sign of how precocious they thought I was, that they, um, I don't know if you remember that movie Storm Boy. yeah. It's a very old film. So I got screen tested for that because each school had to nominate probably what they thought was the most precocious um, individual, and all of the teachers voted me, and I had no idea why I was there. But, yeah, that's – yeah, so I got screen tested for that. Okay. But when I got to high school, you know – Are you, you saying that you could have been the main character? I could have been – yeah, I could have been the pelican. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> no, I wasn't the pelican. It was – 
Um, Mr. Percival, no, it was <laughs> that job had been that had been taken, so yeah. there was only one spot left. But no, didn't get that. The pelican didn't get that. Okay. But then you go to high school and you become a teenager and you get a bit self-conscious and you know. So I kind of, and I went to a different school, so I was a bit quiet. Mm. So yeah, but no, generally great. Okay, can't complain. And, and then when you got to the end of school, yeah. did you know when what I got you to the end to of school. So then I, um, I went to university because I, like a lot of people, didn't know what I wanted to do. Okay. And like a lot of people still don't mm. know what they want to do. Mm. Um, uh, but then I got to come on this show with you guys. So now <laughs> my life's complete. <laughs> yes. <laughs> sure. Okay. And the interview now. Yeah. Done. <laughs> Kidding. And uh, do you, what was uh, was there any inkling of uh, of where you might lead as you went to university, or it really, yeah. really was just an open? Yeah. Uh, and what did you study? I yeah. was studying science, okay. Bachelor of Science. Yeah. All right. And um, I kind of knew I wanted. I was interested in science. I wanted to do something sciencey, mm -hmm. something a bit medical. I guess I was interested in that. I knew I didn't want to do medicine because I'd seen. Yeah, when you're when you're this, um, your dad's a GP or you've got parents, you, you see there's a lot. It's hard work. It mm. is. It's not an easy lifestyle, and you give up a lot. Thought I don't want to do that. So I thought I didn't know what I wanted to do, and so I did that for a couple of years, and then because my mother was nagging me, because I just seemed to be just drifting along, and she basically um, said, "What about nursing?" I thought oh, I'd do that. It's like playing a viola. <laughs> so anyway, but at the time, uh, you could get paid uh, to do the course. It was like an apprenticeship. It was okay. hospital training. So I thought I could get a job and get paid to study. I thought it sounded pretty good. So I just kind of fell into it, and um, that was my kind of first career. Okay. All right. We will be back to see what happens next in Paul's life here on Life First with Matt and Sarah. If you like what you're hearing, please write a review of this podcast on your podcasting app, or you can share this on social media. You are listening to Life First with Matt and Sarah. We have Paul in the studio who uh, is sharing his story and is about to take the plunge into uh, what at the time was the very cool uh, occupation of nursing. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. Not a dis nursing or anything. At the time. time. No. At the time. Don't knock it. You know, no, one day you'll need one of those nurses. Exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, but you were being paid for it, so there was good incentive for you. It was pretty stay. good. Yeah. And uh, how did it go with the training? You you stepped into something different. Well, yes. Yeah, so I, well, coming from a family of all boys and then suddenly 90% of the people are, are women or mm. girls. That was um, different. And so, um, yeah, but I, it was a great way to uh, meet people, obviously. And then I guess you have to develop a bit of confidence when you're um, dealing with patients, mm. and, you know trying to look like you know what you're doing. And um, so you have to develop a bit of a rapport with people. So it was good for that. Mm. Yeah. And how did you find as you went through um, having not really known what you wanted to do, but uh, did, did you find actually this is this is something that I'm going to uh, stick with or pursue? Yeah, I kind of just went along with it, I think, you know. Um, and then I thought, well, actually, this is kind of interesting. I kind of was more interested in the specialised areas, so I kind of ended up in 
well, they call it ED now, but it, it, you know, a casualty kind of area. I worked in ICU, I worked in, and then I kind of ended up in operating theatres. And that has been where I spent actually most of my nursing career. Yeah. So what was it like being, I suppose, thrown into the emergency department in ICU? I loved it. Loved it. It was um, interesting and I kind of liked being tested. I liked the kind of challenge about it. And um, and if you go to those big public hospitals, you know, you get exposed to things that you don't see in little public hospitals. So, Is there something that stands out for you during that first time? <laughs> And uh, there's probably lots of things. So many stories, so many bizarre people, uh, interesting people, funny people, lovely people. I think you get exposed to such a wide variety of um, the population that maybe you realise you've lived in a bubble mm. and suddenly you're seeing the good and the bad. You see the best of the pe- people and the worst of people. Um, so, How I, did you deal with your first death? Oh, well, um, I guess it when you're sort of trained and you the context of the hospital, you, you're kind of prepared in a way. It's, um, I'm pleased to say I didn't have too much of that. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's, you realise it's part of life and it's a natural part of, of um, the whole cycle uh, that we're in. And, and uh, so... It's it's always, um, I think, yeah, if you approach it in the right way and you, you can be compassionate and and realise that you've done everything you can, that sometimes there is an end to, to all things. And mm. uh, so I guess it makes you reflect on your own mortality. Mm. But, of course, when you're in your 20s, you never think about that. Mm. No, that's yeah. yes, that is true. I know so, in my twenties, I do think about that. But <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. earlier, different, different situation. Mm. Um, yeah. How do you how, how do you process coming home from a busy day in those areas and seeing all of this traumatic stuff? How do you process that? How do you deal with that? Um, I um, I was always able to leave it behind. Okay. I think I. Um, it would be intense and you had a great group of people working with and you could always sort of help each other out and debrief and there'd always be some incredibly intense times but also some hilarious times. I mean, if you've got a great group of people, it's a, it's a great place to work. Um, but I was always able to kind of think, well, that's just, that's work and now I'm home and now I'm in a different place, like a character actor mm. maybe. Mm-hmm. Right, different uh, uniform. But I think it, 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 it's good to do that. You need to, you know, let things go. Mm. So I didn't really yeah. take that home. Yeah. 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 What would you say to people who might have to go to the emergency department, whether it be relatives or a person who is, is unwell, what would you say to those people of maybe how they should act or be or, uh, you know, well, all that type of stuff? I think you've got to... You need to um, understand the hospitals are going to do their best and sometimes people get frustrated because they have to wait because maybe they're not... And maybe that's a good sign because you're not as bad off as someone else who needs their immediate attention. Mm. So I think in Australia we're really blessed to have have the health system we have. So... 
Um, just be prepared to wait sometimes. Um, but if it's urgent, you'll, you'll be looked at and, and looked after for sure. But yeah, be nice to the people. They're, they're doing their best for you. Um, and they'll, um, they'll, they'll get to you. Mm. Yeah. Yes. So did any of these experiences lead on to working overseas or in different places? How uh, did that look they like? They did, actually. Uh, okay. So I, um, I worked at Royal Adelaide mm -hmm. Hospital, and then I went to Flinders Medical Centre, and then I went back to Royal Adelaide Hospital, which in, in all the trauma theatres and loved it. At the same time, for some reason, I obviously wasn't getting enough adrenaline I decided to join the CFS. Okay. And I joined the CFS for 10 years. So at the same time, I'm riding around on trucks. I was clearly, yeah, out of my mind. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but I, I loved it. I loved the whole um, learning of new skills. Um, and at that time, the station that I was attached to, which was Iron Bank, was, there were no girls. There are a number of girls now, but it was very blokey. Mm -hmm. So I used to joke it was my kind of, um, you know, therapy for <laughs> work environment. <laughs> but, uh, but, but no, it was just so different. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I like, I love meeting new people and interacting with different groups of people. So it was, it was very different, very, yeah, very blokey. The CFS. Yeah. For those who don't know, the CFS is the country firefighter. Country fire. So you're a firefighter as well as that's a lot of adrenaline. Like that yeah. is, that's you're working in a hospital, everything's high, and then you just like I'm just gonna go and join the volunteer yeah. country fire service and yeah. put myself in an even higher adrenaline. Yeah, 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 yeah. Had a few scary moments with that, I suppose. You know, uh, my first fire was that was funny. Um, when they do training, I'm sure it's a lot better now. Mm -hmm. But my first fire training was basically a bonfire that you could have used marshmallows on. Like, it was nothing very scary. Mm -hmm. And then the first fire was when um, what was now then known as Loftier Park, but St. Mark Oliphant Park, I think it's at um, uh, the whole park caught on fire. Mm -hmm. And um, I had only been in the CFS for a couple of months. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, it's a bad sign when um, the <laughs> the police are barricaded where you're going off and they're waving you through and none of them are going through and you're mm. thinking, wow, this this could go wrong. Mm. Um, and, uh, but yeah, it, it was, we're still here. Yes. <laughs> Did you ever have to experience burnover, which is where the fire goes over your track? Yeah, well, not quite. I, I did get caught. We did get caught down the bottom of a track and we had to reverse the truck out to get out of that situation. But, mm -hmm. yeah, it can go wrong for sure. And mm -hmm. and hats off to all those people who volunteer, you know, um, give up their time. It's uh, um, it's a great great way to give back. And... Um, and you learned some great schools, so I'd, I'd highly recommend it. it mm. I did it for 10 years. Now, before we go to the overseas question, because oh, yeah. you're not there yet, but yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, I, I wonder, I mean, the general public, we've been fed uh, a lot of uh, hospital dramas on TV uh, out of America and Australia. Uh, how how true to life <laughs> is uh, is that kind of... It's uh, all true. Yeah, it's all true. It's all right. true. Yeah, well, that's all we need to know. No, right, it's so not true. I cannot... I mean, have they captured something of uh, of the camaraderie of it? You, you've talked a little bit of that, or mm, the, the different mm, people that come mm. in, or is it uh, 
I'd say, look, there, there are these documentary ones which are, you know, based on the NHS or, you know, the, the hospitals in Sydney, Westmead or wherever, though. They're, they're actually real top off. Right. Okay. The sort of drama that you see on TV from the United States, no. Okay. No, they would be um, in therapy in no time. They, in fact, actually when things go wrong, it actually goes really quiet. At work, right. everyone just suddenly focuses in. They don't start shouting <laughs> and screaming, right. going, oh, my God. <laughs> so it doesn't happen. It just They would just be a liability. So they just, they would be moved on. Mm. So, no, it's all, it's all, I just can't bear to watch it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it drives right. me crazy. There we go, medical students. <laughs> don't think you're going to go into a no. melodrama when you go into a Well, hospital. I mean, there are some dramas, but not kind of that way. Yeah, just important to clear that up yep. right here, straight from the horse's mouth. Yeah, Good to know. Right. Well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Why the long face? That's it. Yeah. We will be back with uh, more Life Bursts with Matt and Sarah straight after this. <laughs> Hey, did you know this show is available in video too? You can find it at rawcut.com.au. This is Life Bats with Matt and Sarah. We're chatting with Paul today and it's time for the famous question. <laughs> How did you meet your now wife? Well, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, I obviously did. Uh, I <laughs> had noticed her at a dance. We were part of two different youth groups. She was at Coromandel Valley mm-hmm. and I was at Blackwood. And because they were kind of big youth groups at the time, they had their own social, like, they had all they needed and they didn't really mix much. And I couldn't really figure out how to um, accidentally run into it. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't think of anything. And I remember I was sitting at home and it was a Saturday night and I was 20 two no yeah somewhere in there and i thought what am i doing home on a saturday night you lose it i totally think that all the time when i'm 27 <laughs> okay. so i thought i'm gonna ring her up i had to look her up, number up in the phone book and i thought i'm gonna ring her up and i couldn't think of anything to say that was the worst and i thought something will come to me but didn't really <laughs> and i at the phone rang i thought oh what if her mother answers you know i thought and of course she did and disturbingly, she seemed to know who I was, which was, oh, yes. <laughs> oh, and it was too late to hang up because I was like, oh, no. Uh, and then I would have been worse to hang up. And I had to hang on. So I was like, yeah, I wonder if, if Jane was there. And so, oh, oh, okay. And you could hear voices in the background. You think, oh, no. Oh, no, what have I done? Anyway, she came on, but she was puzzled you know like okay you know okay. so we arranged to go out and i and so I, we met for coffee and i was so nervous i talked over the whole time <laughs> didn't let her say a word and i thought oh, i messed it up and then um i thought i thought it had gone well apart from that but then I, I didn't hear anything and then my brother said oh you idiot don't you know she's going out with someone else I'm like oh <laughs> so then i didn't realize was that that wasn't he, this guy wasn't on the scene, he moved overseas, and I don't think it was really a thing. And so at the very time I was kind of thinking, oh, well, she, you know, was maybe interested. And, and then I, but I didn't see it. And my brother's saying, I think she's interested. No, she's, no, she's not like that. Mm-hmm. 
So then there was an event because Jane is a musician as well. She was playing violin, not viola. <laughs> uh, and uh, she had some respect. <laughs> and she decided that there was a there was an event, a youth event, and they needed musicians from both youth groups. Okay. So here's okay. my chance. So You're like, boom, this is what I've been waiting this is for. This is, this is it. I know what to do now. <laughs> and uh, it kind of started from there. Okay. And then we ended up getting engaged very quickly, it seemed, because uh, I, it was only five months and we went to Elder Park to watch some fireworks. There were fireworks. And there were really were fireworks, yes, <laughs> yes. but metaphorically as well. Right. And uh, I heard someone that sounded with my voice saying, "Would you marry me?" Like, like came at all. <laughs> and she said, "What did you say?" I said, "I said, it's, it's loud." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, we were. Uh, he said yes, right? He said yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And then I was so, I think we were both so shocked. We went to a place, we ordered some food, we paid for it, we didn't eat it, we just, we didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> so we um, couldn't tell anyone for a couple of weeks because she was going away and then we thought, well, how do we announce it? We didn't even thought about it ourselves. <laughs> so then, um, it, yeah, it was fantastic. So uh, we were engaged after meeting, after five months and then within a year uh, we were we got married with you know had a anniversary going out on a honeymoon, so that was that seemed quick, but I guess it didn't seem quick at the time. Mm. Um, you just uh, loved her so much. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I just well, someone when you know, you know. I don't. I, yeah. I can't yeah. really explain it. And now, did you ever find out about that first date that you went on? Whether you actually talked too much? And oh yeah, I definitely talked too much. <laughs> you confirmed definitely that. confirmed yeah. that. Yeah. And it's reminded me probably some other time as well since then. <laughs> well, that is a that is a great story of, of coming together. And uh, did she get to hear you uh, in your dad's clothes with your brothers doing the bad taste? I'm pleased to say she didn't. She missed that. Okay. Otherwise, it might have been a different, a different story. story yeah. Mm -hmm. So it may not have ever progressed past that point. But no. But she did. Yeah, she did. Uh, in fact, now plays was well, played in a couple of bands that I played in. So we've actually like in a, um, a bush band mm -hmm. called the Wild Patils. Have been going for like 25 years. Uh, not so many dances lately, it's not no. quite a, really a socially distancing kind of uh, event. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I've done a few schools, but yeah, that's uh, she's in that. And then uh, she plays piano and mandolin and violin. Okay. So, yeah, so we've got a room full of instruments at home. Yes, okay. Do yeah. you ever just sit down and just jam together and whatnot? Uh, just not really. No. I think, yeah, um, we, we, we like different types of music. Um, so it's, um, yeah, but I think there's an understanding. I mean, if I've bought another guitar, I, I think of that joke about the guy who is worried that when he dies, that his wife will sell his guitars for what he told her they cost. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yes, and I thought, yeah, uh, there is a fair collection of instruments at home. Right. But they're all different. They're all different. Of course yeah. they are. Yeah, yeah, they're all different. How many like jumpers have we got? You know, think, well, you know, you know, we're the one, just one jumper. It's good. Take takes a musician to understand <laughs> yeah. the musician. Yeah, yeah. most musicians right. would understand. Yes, yes. 
Sorry, we're not one of them. Good. And look, we should say we uh, we will get a taste of some music. We, we do will. have a guitar behind us. Yeah. So uh, that's just Look not just here as a prop. Oh. Uh, we'll get to hear a bit of music later on in the show. So uh, now you uh, we have mentioned overseas as well. So uh, oh, yeah. at some point, uh, so you are now married, but uh, there was a, a prompting to, to head overseas. Well, I think um, Jane, my wife, she had lived overseas because her dad was a professor. And so they'd lived in places like Missouri, Wales, the UK. I had not been on a plane, like a small plane I'd been on, and I got a chance to fly and made my brother airsick. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I had not been on a jet until we actually had a honeymoon. We were around the world. So I went from being like never having travelled to seeing the world in six weeks. It blew my mind. So mm-hmm. I, was, I loved it. I loved all the different smells, the different vibes, the, the languages, everything about it. So I was always fascinated with travel, but I had the opportunity to um, travel and work. And so I uh, signed myself up uh, at the time to do a trauma fellowship in Switzerland. What is that? Sorry? What's a trauma fellowship? Oh, trauma fellowship. That is uh, where you study uh, orthopedic trauma and and um, uh, learn more about that sort of field. And that was the area that I was working in mm-hmm. predominantly. So I thought that would be great to do and kind of get to see. Uh, and actually tied in with a friend's wedding in Germany at the same time. So that was a win. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Yeah. So that... That worked out really well. Um, and I also got to teach a course in Borneo, which is probably the polar opposite of Switzerland. Yes. yes. Uh, for the University of Malaysia. And that was very different, but l- loved it. Completely, yeah. Uh, saw some food that you only see in movies that you kind of think would be, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, I'm still alive. Right, yeah. <laughs> How did you go with the language differences? Actually, well, I mean, well, Switzerland people speak better English than than I do, <laughs> which is humiliating. Um, but this, the well, the Swiss-Swedish is, is a different dialect to German, so it's, it takes a little while to pick up. But the, um, it's in Borneo, it's it's, it's Malaysian, so it's like it's Bahasa Malay, or same as Indonesians. There's some basic words there, but luckily I was able to give the lectures in English. But I did have some notes for them because they were so obsessed with not missing anything I said. They were writing everything I said down verbatim. And I would say, don't write that down. And they don't write that down. (laughs) Stop. Stop. Uh, Put your pen. pen, So I had to just say, look, I'm going to talk about some things, but I'm going to give you notes. So don't worry. And now they were so happy about that. Mm. Wow, that's be a great cultural learning experience for mm. you as well mm. while, you're, yeah. while you're teaching. Yeah, and just the different cultures that took us out to it. It was in the traditional headhunting area of, of, of Sarawak. So, what is that? Uh, well, they had these headhunters uh, in, in northern Borneo that um, would collect heads, like literally, yeah. Okay, uh, yeah. I don't know any. Yeah, not not a from an HR kind of headhunting. <laughs> I want to I clear. Although some HR departments might be actually a little bit like that, but uh, yes, it's uh, yeah they they yeah would finish our people and keep them as trophies. So 
yeah. really important for nurses in that area. Yeah, <laughs> although I was in the past. Well, there's, yeah, there's, I think those people are beyond help. I think yes, I think so, yeah. Let's go to a break. This is Life Burst. Uh, we're chatting to Paul and we'll be back soon. In Australia, juvenile arthritis affects one in 1,000 children. It's a silent yet common condition. Kids Arthritis is here to help support these children and their families. To help them, go to kidsarthritis.org. This has been a Raw Cut Community Service Announcement. This is Life Best with Matt and Sarah. We're chatting with Paul and very aware that there has to be some more hilarious stories in your life because of everything that you have done before we tap into the music in the last part of the show. So many. Spill the, spill the beans. Tell us all the Tell <laughs> so us many all the to choose from. Um, well, I'll tell a story I did tell at my 50th. So this was okay. when I was 16, mm-hmm. maybe seven, 17 actually. I was in year 12 and we got to an elective uh, and I got the chance to do scuba diving. I thought, how awesome. I've never been scuba diving, something right. I'd always wanted to do. And for our first sea dive, we're going to go down to Port Nolunga, and it's the middle of winter, and so it's cold. Mm. So you want to get a good wetsuit, don't you? You want a thick one. So we had to go down and be fitted out in uh, – it was a skin diving place in the middle of Adelaide, just off Guja Street. Right, in the city. In the city. Center and center. the plan was that I would go down after school with my friends. We'd try on this equipment. I'd get all the stuff. And then I would walk down two blocks to where my brother was having a trumpet lesson, where my mum was waiting and would take us all home together. So that was the plan. Okay. So what actually happened was it was outside and it was close to closing time. And we were kind of fighting over the best suits. And I got this really thick... Uh, all in one hood, about three millimetre thick neoprene, so pretty thick. Mm. Yeah. Very awkward. You kind of look like a zombie. You can't really move very well in, in on land. And it had the uh, full kind of Alaskan trousers, you know, the sort of bib and brace things, okay. so like double layers. Yeah. So once you've got this on, you you look like, you know, you, you can't really move. Yeah. Anyway, um, the guy was closing up the shop and said, look, we're closing up. This is an outside area. Just um, when you've got all your stuff, just put it in your bag and, and just lock the gate behind you. And, uh, okay. So at this point, it was sort of middle of sun, middle of winter, but it's the sun's out. So in a black wetsuit, you suddenly get quite warm in the, mm. in, the uh, in a wetsuit. Mm-hmm. And so I go to reach behind to grab the string that's on the zip and I pull it and it just snapped off. <laughs> and I thought, oh, no. And, and knocking on the door, no one's there. Everyone's gone. And I try to get a coat hanger, bend it in a hook, trying to pick up the zip, but then it just disappeared under the flaps of the. And I knew then I'm, I'm in trouble. And I was getting hotter and hotter, and I was thinking I've got to get two blocks down. How am I going to get down, and get out of this suit? Um, and then it really I felt like there was another at the time better decision to do. Except I was realised I was going to have to walk down. Guja Street in this wetsuit. In the middle of the city. In the middle of the city. And it was getting worse because it's getting peak hour traffic. And <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, no, what am I going to do? So I didn't want to be recognised. So I decided to put my mask on. 
So I don't know if you can picture this. So you imagine a 17-year-old boy <laughs> with holding a, a scuba tank in a full wetsuit with his mask on. I did not wear the flippers. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, but <laughs> very soon I realised the mask was a mistake because it immediately fogged up. Mm. And I couldn't see where I was going. So I'm trying to weave my way down Guja Street. And then you become aware, even though you've got no peripheral vision, that cars are slowing down <laughs> and people are having a really good look. <laughs> And there's nothing you can do. You just keep going. I got to the stop sign on Morfitt Street and so there's wait. So you're waiting there. And a guy in a suit with a briefcase came up to me and he looked me up and down and said, long walk to the beach, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of must mess with you. And then it went green and I barely got across before it turned around. It was like trying to, trying to get across and you just see the open mouths of, of people. And I eventually got to my this alleyway, and I was just sweating, sweating so hot. And I still, my brother hasn't come out, but my mother sees this figure coming up behind <laughs> her in, in a revision mirror, and she immediately locked all the doors. <laughs> and I'm knocking on the window, she said, let me in. She stood there like, what are you doing in that suit? Anyway, we couldn't get it off. She, it was stuck on. My brother, he probably never seen a funnier thing. He <laughs> still, yeah, so uh, I had to drive home. With the air conditioning, it was so hot. I couldn't even bend. I had to sort of one seat that. And then eventually uh, two or three of my brothers uh, and I was hanging under the bath. We finally got it off. And it was just <laughs> relief. Wow. <laughs> so the next day I got caught in a rip and shredded the uh, wetsuit on a on the reef. Oh, you completely <laughs> destroyed it. So, <laughs> so, yeah, so it was going well. Yes. <laughs> scuba career. Wow. Yeah. Well, that is, a, that is a great story. That is good. And maybe stirring some memories of people who were at in Adelaide that day and, and saw this. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're still traumatised. <laughs> no compassion. Areas, everyone. Not, yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, now, you've been through a few challenges in your life and, um, you know, we can't, don't have time to share all of those. Uh, what, is, what has got you through some of the, the challenging times? Mm. Um, you know, not the wetsuit story. But, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, oh, like trauma and everything. Trauma, yeah. Look, mm. yeah, well, I think having a faith, you know, um, has been uh, the rock for me and, and having uh, uh, being blessed with a, a family that, that supports you and, and great friends and uh, supportive like the church or youth groups and, and just some great quality friends um, has been, I, I think without that, it, it, be, it would be very difficult. And I, uh, I see people who, who struggle and, and they've just got none of that support network. So I think, but yeah, having that, that faith, I think you can hold on to it. It becomes a, um, a steadying influence, even though you, you might choose to walk down a main street in a wetsuit, <laughs> uh, you know. That a faith in what? Faith, faith that um, you've got that that there's some constant things, and that that uh, you're loved no matter what. And uh, even though you can mess things up and and not do things perfectly, you've got that confidence and and that assurance. So yeah, and that that just really gives you a sense of peace. And happiness. No, mm. I was asking, what do you have faith in? Oh, faith, faith in. Because you, you just said faith. And oh, that yes. Could mean anything. Faith. Oh, yeah, faith. Oh, faith in God. Faith, faith in faith in that um, uh, uh, we're all here for a reason, and that we everything life matters. People matter, and uh, it's not just a blip in in this moment in time. That we're all just seem to be here at the same time. 
it's not just random it's not um there's there's meaning uh to all of it mm. and and uh, that we should uh give back to others and and um and support each other mm. particularly in these kind of tough times yeah. where some people have done it very hard mm. yeah uh, and you along the way you've you shared of your wife coming into the picture and uh uh, your your family grew as well out of that at some yeah, point. Yeah, three three uh, now adult children. So. Not triplets. No, not triplets. Although <laughs> one of my brothers did marry um, my sister-in-law. Funnily enough, uh, and she had twin brothers, so they were a bit worried about that. Okay, it's like playing Russian roulette with a machine gun, maybe. <laughs> but no, they only had just uh, one one. Yeah, just so, one, yeah. yeah. Right, just one. Yeah, but yours, yeah, yeah, and yours are now grown up. All grown up, yeah. No, they're all um, uh, developing their careers in life, and and uh, incredibly proud of them, and uh, very blessed to have those. Um, uh, so yeah, they're just uh, um, great to see them finding their way in the world. Mm, great. Yeah. Well, when we come back, we are going to hear a little bit about uh, your uh, music career. Um, and uh, we have a guitar behind us. Paul's going to pull it out and share with us a song. So don't go away. This is Life Burst with Matt and Sarah. If you think more people should listen to this, share this podcast on social media. This is Life Best with Matt and Sarah. We're chatting with Paul and he's been sharing a lot about his music and how passionate that he is about music. Mm. And we finally brought out the guitar, everyone. So yes, here it is. tell us especially about the bands that you are in and why music is so important to you. Bands I've been in. Gosh, there's a lot. I mean, okay. we go back to the orchestra with the viola. That was probably <laughs> the first one. Yeah. Um, and then lots of like bands have been put together on the night for something. Um, might have been through friends from youth group. We would have formed something for a camp or a, yeah something. And then I guess playing in church. I kind of when I started playing guitar, I, I really wanted to play. I was playing bass. I mostly played bass actually, mm-hmm. and uh, I just thought that's very cool, much cooler than viola scene. <laughs> and um, but uh, there was no amp, and so I borrowed my mother's. Um, we had this old stereo system and I didn't have an app and I thought if I wired to, because I'm clearly good at soldering, yes. as you uh, earlier told, <laughs> and I made a little plug that I plugged into that, into the um, left channel and I blew out the speakers because oh, no. the frequencies are too big and so yeah. they decided that probably should get an amplifier. So uh, at least they encouraged me. But, yeah, I um, played that and then uh, just got more confident, played very quietly, you know, and people were, oh, can't really hear you. And yeah, just learning, figuring it out. Um, but yeah, I loved it and just learned basically by playing by ear, by listening. I never had lessons to play guitar. So I just figured it out, mm-hmm. I guess, listening and watching people. So Yeah. And the yeah. song you're going to play today, tell just, us about it. Yeah, and how but it this, together. this is a song called The Other Side. And I went to a, a songwriting. Uh, workshop uh, Malcolm Gordon mm-hmm. was his name New Zealand songwriter and he uh, challenged us to come up with a song there and then mm. okay. and so we so I found this inspiration from a passage in uh, Mark chapter 4 where Jesus calms the storm right and it was a 
great passage as well, a great story, but also a metaphor for the storms in people's lives. Mm. And I thought this could sort of work its way into being a, a great song. So I just had some, I just picked out some phrases and then I had a kind of, usually I'd come up with this, the tune first and then find the words to fit it. And okay. this was kind of the other way around. Okay. Oh. So it's a little bit unusual, but yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So I, I, we recorded this with our band Sevenfold um, and we do a lot of original songs and, uh, this made the cut, mm -hmm. so uh, l luckily they liked it, and um, uh, we've got uh, two singers, Jane and Liz, who are great with harmonies, and they do a great thing. We've got the rest of the band who just add their parts to it, mm. uh, which made it much more than you can on yourself by yourself. Right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. what's the name of the song? This song's called The Other Side. The Other and Side. It's not, it actually would have been a good B-side, right. uh, but okay. uh, that would have been a terrible pun, so yeah. I decided... <laughs> It wouldn't have made the A side. It was yeah, but yeah. the other side. But it's about <laughs> reaching across the the stormy water, getting to safe ground. Mm. Yeah. So Take it away. This is it. Thanks, other Paul. side. My soul all the way through 
Beautiful. Yeah. And a really uh, profound song, uh, like a, yeah. comforting in times of trouble, um, which uh, we find ourselves in many at right at the moment. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for, for sharing that song with us. Uh, deeply no personal, but uh, really, uh, really good for us and for our listeners as well. Thanks. Yes. In the final two minutes of our show today, if you had one piece of advice to share with our listeners, what would that be? And you can use your guitar too, if you <laughs> like sing it along or something. Like, yeah. Well, um, put more money into super than you think. It's <laughs> one very important piece of advice. And um, I think when you're young, you do kind of think, I know everything. Um, but some people who've been around a bit longer can be the voice of wisdom and uh, some of the, uh, you've got to find these mentors in your life, uh, people who will give you good advice and look out for you. And, and um, uh, yeah, I think you've got to be open to being wrong. It doesn't uh, always sit well with everyone, but mm. Uh, mm. Yeah, that's the only way you can really get better mm. and, and um, take that sort of correction, take the medicine. Mm. That's good. Fantastic. I like it. Well, thank you. Thank you, Paul, so much for sharing that and uh, your story and some some fun along the way. It's been a, it's been a good journey. So thanks for joining us on Life Bursts. Thanks so much. This has been Life Bursts. You can catch up with us wherever you get your podcasts from, on Facebook and YouTube and, of course, on community television and radio. I'm Sarah. And I'm Matt. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next week. Life Bursts is hosted by Matthew Karat and Sarah Freeman with production by Reese Jarrett and Kay Hoshraw Ozadigan. For more episodes of Life Bursts, go to rawcut.com.au. This is a Rawcut production.